Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Life, love, and liberty. I am back. I am back. I am back. I am back. Just back from Texas. Went to the Faith and Freedoms Conference. Hosted by Matt Couch and others. Uh, Several of you have asked me what my takeaway was, what the overarching theme was. Kind of hard to tell, to be honest with you. Um, I usually attend these things with very... Uh, open mind, open heart, open ears and eyes. Uh, I was asked to speak. My 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 personal uh, message was this: um, continuity of government. Some of you have heard me use that acronym COG. That is something that the United States government has in place. Every family should have that in place. Every business should have that in place. Continuity, a continuity plan, right? Some of you don't think past, you know, what you're going to eat for lunch or your next snack or happy hour. And I get it. I get it. I'm not shaming you. I'm just saying that it that is typically an American response to life, I think. Now, I will say this. My Greek family is equally as um, very adept to not thinking past the next, you know, uh, time or, you know, getting together because life is one big pass our debt off to Germany. So, uh, yeah. And if you'll notice, I mean, that's kind of the trajectory of our nation with regard to China. I mean, whoever holds your debt holds your chains. And how many years has the church been told that by people like Dave Ramsey and others, whoever holds your debt is your master. So it should come as no surprise to us that China is our master. It's just kind of interesting to me that we still walk around with our chests puffed out whenever you think about the only thing that that we bring to the world in terms of major leverage. I'm not even I'm not even talking about GDP, but just talking about major leverage. I mean because this is major leverage, right? would be our data centers. Do you realize that 70% of the world's data runs through Virginia? Some of you don't know that. I didn't either for the longest. And it's very fascinating to me because data, you know, all I've heard is data, 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 however you guys say it. And it it has, in fact, become uh, a four-letter word. It is the single most lucrative business outside of slavery And if you think about it, it's all kind of the same because whoever owns the information regarding you, your habits, your likes, your dislikes, your beliefs, your fears, your addictions, whoever has access to that holds your chains as well. They hold the levers to manipulating you. There's, I have tried to use every possible, um, Gosh, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Every uh, metaphor that I can think of um, to, to describe to you what your presence on Facebook does to your life and to this country and to your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And for some reason, it just does not sink in past the first layer. It's, I mean, you hear me, I know you do, but in, in terms of it actually moving you off of the platform because it is a matter of, of national security where your life, your autonomy and sovereignty as an individual is concerned. You are literally fish in a barrel. And listen, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I believe the conspiracies are real. That's why people are tried and convicted for conspiracy to commit something or conspiring to do something and actually pulling it off. So I'm I'm a very, usually, a very balanced person uh, whenever it comes to looking at things objectively as well as subjectively. I'm very candid about that on my show. I, I don't hide that in my social media posts. I don't hide it here on my show. And so it's amazing to me that even though knowing that you are fish in a barrel with regard to your data and how that's utilized to manipulate you and literally steal your liberties from you, one by one, you're still there. And some of you will say, well, you're still on Twitter, which is true, I am, but I'm not on Facebook. And Facebook is the number one aggregator and and uh, conspirator, in my humble opinion, and it's already been proven on multiple occasions through multiple other mediums, um, have been proven and, and actually admitted to an admission of, not to mention payouts to various international, you know, aggregators and agitators and thieves and enemies of our sovereignty and liberty here in this country. It's already been proven that these guys and admitted to that, that these guys aggregate your information and then turn around and create narratives by which to control you. And, and I think, you know what I think it is, you guys, I I think we have been so full of ourselves as a nation. I'm serious. And I say this in total love because I'm right there with you. Um, that we look around at third world countries who actually have stricter um, election laws than we do with regard to identifying yourself as someone who has a right to, uh, to, to participate in an election. I mean, Afghanistan has retinal scans for God's sakes. We bring a, a power bill or a pizza delivery receipt, or we just drop it in a movie box and hope for the best. It's disgusting. It's not even funny. I mean, that's how little we think of our sovereignty. So should it really surprise us when, when we're faced with the possibility of no longer maintaining it? I think our arrogance has gotten us into this position where we look around the rest of the world as, as if they are third world nations who have no sense, as if everyone runs around in a mental loincloth and uh, with spears. And, um, and, and we're just, you know, so above it all. And yet here we are. 
We're literally being invaded, and I don't say that hyperbolically either. I have friends all throughout the military and in, in the intelligence community who are absolutely confirming that there are young men just like they did before. So this is nothing new. But we have young men coming over en masse who are young single men coming from a myriad of, of nations, not just Central America. Yemen, uh, the, I mean, it should it should absolutely, it should not terrify you. It should incense you. It should cause you to contact your United States congressman or woman, your senator, and, and respective uh, governors, right, of states where, where we are bordered, and, and basically say, what are you doing? What are we doing? And listen, I'm not calling for people to show up at the border, but I'm just telling you guys, it is only a matter of time before that starts to happen, which is exactly what this administration is aiming for. Because there are protocols in place that will allow, huh, I mean, think about this. You know, people are all freaked out about the vaccine. I'm about to touch on something about that in a minute because some of you are just blowing up my email, I mean, my my social media DMs asking about my my tweets today and telegrams about um, this magnetization that you see happening, these these videos, right, on TikTok and whatnot. Well, I not only put up a TikTok about the magnetism uh, that apparently is, is, is in these vaccines, but I have a family member, someone I consider family, who sent a private video of their uh, daughter-in-law who had to get the vaccine. They are government contractors, she and her husband. And in fact, the magnet sticks to her arm at the vaccination site. So we'll get to that in a minute. But but going back to the border and and, and genocide, okay? Uh, if genocide is determined to to be carried out in this nation, it may be any nation, but this one's included for sure. And this is this is the nation I have my eyes on. I'm praying for Israel because I'm supposed to, and I love the people of Israel. Okay. I also, believe it or not, praying for people of Palestine. Praying for everyone to just put their bows and arrows down and, um, and and their missiles and just exhale. Yes, I'm praying for that. But my eyes are on my country. Continuance of government. COG. My eyes are on my country. Because I'm entrusted with my jurisdiction here, as are you. So I'm very sober about what my responsibility is. And it's to this country first. It's to my home first. Is to my neighborhood first, my city, my county, my state, my country. This is this just the jurisdiction with which I've been entrusted. Okay, same thing goes for you. And I'm speaking spiritually. So there's a continuance of government here where God is concerned, and I'll get to that in a minute. And why I spoke about that this weekend at the uh, at the Faith and Freedoms Conference in Dallas. So the border's being overrun. We are being vaccinated ad nauseum, and you're being shamed if you're not vaccinated. And I want you to think about something. In the event of genocide, the United Nations is allowed 
and it actually is incumbent upon them to deploy upon a land. Now, I want you to think about having the United Nations on this soil and think about what comes with that. Again, I'm not a fear monger. I'm not a dread monger. This is a very sober, adult, real conversation that we're having. Now, for those of you who have had the vaccine, I don't mean to scare you, and I certainly don't mean to shame you. I mean, I I believe that fear is what got you into this to begin with. And, And fear is driving a lot of our decisions as a nation, and because it works. It just works. Do you understand that? Do you understand that whenever people go to program you, Neurally, and and there are actually entities that this is what they do. And some people think they're doing it for all the right reasons. But you have to counter narratives. And, and the people who are super bad actors, who are neuro-linguistically programming you, are not on your side. It is called divination and witchcraft and manipulation. And it's nothing new. It's just that we have different technology to pull it off. Propaganda is nothing new, okay? But because your faces are shoved in your phones 20, at least 16 hours out of your day, okay, it works. Because God wired your brain to be receptive to information. Why do you think he tells us to deny, cast it down, Every vain imagination that attempts to exalt itself above the seat of Christ. And what is the seat of Christ? The seat of Christ is the highest position in life in which you can ascend to live. That means that you are living in, quote, perfection, which means wholeness. It means that you're saying yes to your spirit man as opposed to your carnal bestial nature because there's only two natures and and all of us it's either going to be your bestial animal carnal nature which is your lower nature or your spirit nature it, that's it there's only one or two choices that one of two that those are the only choices you get as a created sentient being and so and that's not woo woo it is what it is and i believe it it's right there in my bible and it's something that's not taught on very often other than you know say no to sex and don't do adultery and say yes to the 10 commandments and absolutely yes we get all of that and why is that because when you're living at that highest level of precept living and your soul is not scarred and mired and marred by lower bestial living because those choices have effects on our psyches because they're supposed to, because we were created by a perfect God. And so when we walk in anything short of that, it's going to have an effect on us neurologically, emotionally, physically, chemically, electrically. I mean, simple, simple stuff here. And some of you may may not have, I apologize, some of you may not have ever heard this before. And maybe I take that for granted, and I'm sorry. It's a class that I've taught for, I taught for many years. And so it is part of my, it's part of my understanding, it's part of my makeup. And so whenever I see, some of you are like, how, how do you maintain kind of this level of, you know, um, gosh, you, I mean, you just seem so, you're not so frizzed about stuff. I'm like, well, first of all, Trust me, I get frizzed about stuff just like you do. 
but there are some things where if I if I'll just let the frizz pass and I and I re, and I refer to the word, which is my plumb line in life, I refer to the word and I defer to the word, then ultimately, yes, my peace is restored. I see it for what it is. I'm still grieved. Don't get me wrong. I walk around very heavy laden for for my country right now and for this world. I just do. And some people are like, well, you know, God's in control. Okay, well, fantastic. He's in control, and he left me here. He blessed me here to to carry, to occupy, and to, and to have jurisdiction over the territory with which he's entrusted me. And sometimes that feels a little burdensome. And it certainly wouldn't be uh, surmountable if I was not walking with him. And so if I'm not seeking after his spirit, yes, I'm going to live in the fray and be frizzed with everyone else. So yes, I do have moments of being frizzed and frayed. And some of you holy ones love to just call me to the carpet. You know, God forbid I put up some carnal verse to a carnal song about, you know, bad boys. Oh my gosh, that started a whole holy roller downhill slide on my Telegram channel just the other day. You know, I'm not being a Proverbs 31 woman and and I should always have the word of God in my mouth. I'm like, okay, well, fun fact, do you? Is your every waking hour filled with the word of God in your mouth? (laughs) Give me a break. It's the holy rollers of this world that literally threw Jesus up on the cross. Of course, he, he... he was like, fine, I'm going. I'm not my will, Father, but yours. And forgive them, for they know not what they do. Whew. I try to live that. It is darn near impossible with some of you. Seriously, because I'm like, no, Lord, they know exactly how dumb they're being and how sanctimonious and you know holier than thou they're being. I mean, listen, I just it just gets tiresome, man, when you're just out here fighting the fight and you turn around to the person who's supposed to have, you know, a bottle of water and a warm blanket and a place of shelter, and they're literally standing there with spears to just, you know, slash you with the word of God instead of comforting you with it or reminding you of who you are and whose you are. They're just there to cut your head off, you know, because they're so holy and God said to correct your brother and sister in love. Well, fun fact. If the person that you're correcting is bleeding after your correction, you did it wrong. (sighs) Anyway, go back to continuity of government. My speech was very simple. It was very sober. And it pertains to the election integrity that that I am dealing with right now. My own tour, things I'm putting together, technology resources, all of that that you all know about. Getting ready to start in Virginia. And God knows Virginia needs it. They've got a general coming up in the fall. You've got over, you've got 22 seats that need to be flipped in your house of delegates. And so you guys need help. And, um, and I've got help. So I'm very excited about it. A lot of ground presence in Virginia. So Virginia needs to be a stronghold for Liberty. Home base for Liberty needs to begin and election integrity needs to begin in Virginia. Continuity of government. God's continuity of government was first Jesus, the mind of Christ, casting down those vain imaginations that try to exalt themselves above the mind of Christ. Well, what is one of those, what are, what's one of those vain imaginations that God is not going to provide for you? That is a vain imagination. That is a lie. 
that God is mad at America and this is just what we get. That too is a lie. That is a vain imagination. That somehow God said that he's in the vaccinate. It's godly to vaccinate. It is godly to be afraid. That, I mean, what is this crap that I saw in Rio with on Jesus? Somebody has literally painted the Jesus with his arms open. Um, the, you know, Jesus said to vaccinate. Jesus is for vaccinations. Well, that's a lie because how do I know that? The Bible says that God uh, sent Jesus here to heal all of our diseases and to forgive all of our sins. So that's the truth. That is living in your highest mind, which is the mind of Christ, which is the mind of life, which is the mind of liberty, the mind of truth, the mind of personal autonomy in terms of you do not belong to your nation state. You're not a slave to your nation state. You're not a subject of your nation state. You some of you consider yourselves slaves to the gospel. And I could think of no better, you know, uh, enslavement. To be honest with you, it's just hard for me to utter those words, to be a slave to something. Jesus called me a friend. He didn't call me his slave. And I love Brother Apostle Paul, but he did not call me his slave. He called me his friend. And he called me a joint heir with him. And he called you the same things. So as more and more lawlessness abounds, we are looking to and fro very frantically for law. We're looking for order because we're wired for it. Again, because we were created out of the mind and the heart and the soul of the God of liberty, of law and order and justice. So, and of course, we're going to look for it. And it's not here. This country, particularly the United States of America, abounds in lawlessness right now. It is absolutely mind-blowing. I live in a city where in just four years, I have watched a woman take my city from being a safe, thriving, business-friendly, forward-moving Um, attempting to unify, you know, a transient, beautiful Mecca of all different types of people. I mean, we really in Atlanta have become quite the melting pot. And now it has been overrun because of a very embittered, divisive female who was more excited about the fact that her name is Keisha. So it's, you know, whatever that's about, and that black girl magic is real. So so giving us a duplicitous message in my city of one Atlanta, let's unify, but every single thing we do is going to be urban-centric. It's going to be black-centric. And President Trump, you know, basically um, death to, to his policies, his campaign, his presidency, he's illegitimate. I mean, nothing unifies a city birthed in slavery, rooted in slavery, literally burned to the ground because of slavery and other things, as we know, but primarily uh, to set the captives free, right? 
nothing shouts unify like let's focus on the bad orange man and all of the white people who vote for him, right? I mean, that just just reeks of unity to me. What a mantra. And so with that, we have watched our city literally be taken hostage by thugs. And when I, when I tell you thugs, they're from eight years of age up to, I don't know, 45 on average. We are cartel city. I mean, we are the hub. And people wonder, like, how do some of these folks afford certain areas of this city? Because historically, they have, and up to four years ago, they've been, you know, uh, very expensive to live in. They're, they're high-priced housing. Um, but all of that, ha- that demographic has, uh, has changed. And, and how has that been allowed to happen in such a short period of time? Well, because lawlessness abounds. Because you have a geopolitical agenda at large. And the Democrats and Democrat-run cities are in on, in on the deal. They're in on the heist. No one's operating in the mind of Christ. So when it comes to criminal justice reform, no one is operating in the mind of Christ with regard to that. We're giving people points here in the state of Georgia. We're letting them go. Signature bonds, ankle monitors that don't work, you know, that just kind of go out to the ether and some, I don't know, maybe someone on one of those UFOs and on Virginia Beach has been monitoring our, uh, you know, our criminals here. <laughs> um, but they're, but they're, I mean, it is our murder rates, carjackings. Um, you know, ha- how do people afford to live here who would otherwise not be able to afford to live here? Well, well they're employed by the cartels. There's more than enough literature on this. This, this isn't just my bias. It, it is what it is. And believe me, this administration, the Biden faux administration, the sham administration, is going to go right back to what the Obamas did, which is no longer um, chronicling crimes as they should. You're going to have, you know, the next four years of numbers that don't tell you the real story. So things cannot be adjudicated. I watched a black lady beat the living hell out of a white girl here in the city of Atlanta on a video today. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, she's really like, and I mean, beat to a pulp in a, it looked like a, some pizza joint and stomped her, pulled her hair, dragged her. I mean, her face is bloodied. And I thought to myself, I tell you what, homegirl, you are super, super lucky that that chick did not have a gun because you would have and should have just been taken down. But guess what that would have started? (laughs) Another canonization parade around the entire country. And why is this allowed to continue? Because the church refuses to live in the mind of Christ, which tells you that slavery was once and for all, all reparations, all, um, all, all adjudication regarding slavery was paid for at the cross by the blood of Jesus Christ. I just saw today where Pastor Paula White, who was, Pastor, I mean, Pastor, I love it. President Trump's pastor, okay? She was his personal pastor during the term of his presidency, all right? And it may still be now. I have no idea. 
But this is how passionate I get about this stuff, okay, because it keeps people in bondage. She has a conference coming up that I just happen to scroll past and see on Twitter today. And 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 they have various speakers there. And I retweeted it with with my own thoughts about it because no disrespect to her. She served the president. Hopefully she served him well. Um, I have no idea. I do not know Pastor Paula Kane, Paula White, Kane, Kane White, whatever. I do not know her personally. I have followed her ministry basically from her beginnings. So I'm very familiar with um with with some of her doctrinal ways. Okay. Well, now, and I want to say that her spiritual covering, if you will, as hierarchy goes within the body, may be Bishop T.D. Jakes. Pretty sure I've heard her say that in the past. I don't know if that's still the case, but that's certainly who she came up under. Okay. So she's putting together a conference that is going to address racial inequities. Inequities. Sorry. Right, the disparity, right? Let's and it's all in the name of reconciliation. So it smells good, it sounds good, you know, everything looks like, ooh, wow, that's very Jesus. And then you read through there and you see what some of the panelists, who some of the panelists are and what they represent. Psychology. Why do I need a psychologist to change my mind about something that the word of God is already very clear about with regard to slavery? and the blood of Christ, and the atoning blood of Christ, the repairing blood of Christ, the reconciling blood of Christ. Why, why do I need a psychologist to change my mind further about that? Like, what are you going to add psychologically other than are you going to try to tell me how maybe psychologically it has affected black people to be black in this country? I mean, I'm not black, so you're right. I can't relate to that, but I have a black daughter. I had a black husband. If you don't think I've heard a thing or two, uh, you're wrong. I mean, and I know some of you are like, yeah, but your skin's not black. Yep, you're right. But, you know, again, um, have you had to plan a family vacation with your children um, to make sure that you're not in an area that's entirely too black um, or definitely not hillbillies? with your black child by yourself because you're widowed. I mean, have you had to, have you had to think about whether or not you could take your child camping in the hills of North Georgia because she's by ethnic, you know, and you do it anyway and you go carrying because you're like, well, I'm going to let her, I'm not going to have her raised afraid of hillbillies or of just dumb people. I'm just not going to do that. We're going to go, we're going to pray, and we're going to have a good time. And mom's going to pack some heat. And if anybody starts some crap, it's going to, it's not going to turn out well for them. And so that's what we did. I did not raise her to be afraid of people. I did not raise her to be a black woman. I raised her to be a child of God. End of story. Beginning, middle, and end. Now, social justice worrying has, um, has TikTok has taught her a thing or two that now she'll have to work through on her own. But my job, raising her in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, is was done. And it was done to the best of my ability, as crappy as it could be some days. And you parents know what I'm saying. So I don't, I don't play with this stuff. I don't, as a minister, I don't play with it. 
You better be telling people that they are created equally in the mind and the heart and the soul and the hands that knit them together in their mother's womb, regardless of what any nation, what any man, what any tribe, any other creed, any other mind that tries to exalt itself above the mind of Christ, regardless of what they say, that's what God says about them. That is the message. The other person she has on the bill is kind of interesting to me. Because she's from here, Atlanta, and as first families of the um, of the civil rights era go, it's amazing to me that she would choose the one person in that family who, as far as I'm concerned, has not exactly been the pillar of unity between whites and blacks. Now, as as a matter of keeping a legacy going uh, in the way of, um, you know. Um, how can I put this in the way of a foundation? Okay, fine. But in terms of continuing a unifying message, in my humble opinion, and yes, I am biased because she is a godmother to me. She married my daughter. She is family to me. I would, I would jump in front of a bullet for her. In my humble opinion, she is the only pillar of unity of one blood, one race regarding all lives in that family. And that is Miss Alveda King. Now, why she's not on that bill, I don't know. And she's certainly not colorblind. She just wrote a book about it with, with, uh, with our national committee woman, Ginger Howard. Fantastic book. Matter of fact, I think I'm quoted in their in their in their foreword. Um, great book. I mean, the the very first chapter will just have you in tears. I mean, it's good, good, solid stuff. Where they're like, you know, we're not colorblind. What is this colorblind gospel? Of course we're not colorblind. We should be able to carry one another's burdens and understand that, you know, you have generational issues that come down through every single bloodline, not just blacks. You have generational traumas, generational confusion, generational bewitchment, generational rebellion, generational bastardization, generational rejection, abandonment. I could go on and on. You also have generational blessings. You have generational favor. You have generational sobriety. I mean, you get it on both sides, but the blood of Jesus, appropriated, called upon, bathed in, consumed over every sin, participated in and with, seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father, that is the answer to slavery. Then and today, that mind of Christ I will not back down from that. I will not. I've been passionate about it for years. And I've gotten it from both sides, blacks and whites. If you knew what I gave up to marry my husband, you would never again judge me about how I address, quote, race issues. I call them cultural and ethnic issues. Or maybe you would. I don't know. 
maybe you're going to choose to live down in your little bestial nature and continue to throw darts at somebody who you have not walked in my shoes. Again, I do not purport to know what it's like to walk into a place with black skin and be ostracized. No, I do not. Or to be threatened or to feel unsafe. No, I don't. I know how that feels in other manners. I know how that feels to be the mother of someone who's black, to be the wife of someone who's black. I know how it is to be rejected by your own. Absolutely. As well as others. It's hard. It's hard. And if you're not careful, it's what leads to pride because fear is always going to propel a spirit of pride. Always. At the root ball of pride is fear. So when you see, it's another reason why I'm not all about the pride march. Not because I hate homosexuals. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's because I hate the spirit of pride. And I have to constantly ask God to show up my own life. And some of you think because I'm so sassy that I'm proud. I had a woman call me cunning. That's hilarious. I think I talked about it in my podcast last week. But it's just it still tickles me because, again, people who don't know me, who just try to assign these values to me that are so beyond who I am and so beneath who I am. And thank God I know who I am. And I hope you do too. I hope that God has given you or restored or is in the process of restoring your godly confidence and that you know who you are because I'm here to tell you guys I'm going to leave you with this. Um, Well, actually, I can't leave you with that because I promised you that I was going to talk about these vaccines and I'm going to. Um, But if you're afraid of what's happening in this country, the number one thing you can do the number one thing you can do is grab a hold of the plumb line of the gospel, the truth of God, so that you have the mind of Christ and you are not manipulated. You do not become easy prey for fear, for division, for hatred, for sloth, for envy jealousy, for bitterness. That is really important. These things for rage, for anger, these things are lurking in the earth. Just hell's mouth is wide open. The jaws of hell are wide open right now, consuming people by the minute. And so we have an answer to that. It's not going to be Facebook. It's not even going to be your family. It's not going to be anything outside of you and what God has placed in you to be able to commune with him to give you the confidence, the godly confidence that you need to overcome these dark times so that you can make sober decisions. There's nothing sober, by the way, about choosing a black candidate because he's black and because he happened to, to quote, leave the Democrat Party and because he, quote, stood by President Trump, did he really? Did he, to the, did he to the bitter end? Do you guys know that for sure? Do you guys know how some of that went down? Are you 100% sure you know what happened behind closed doors? 
Are you even willing to look some political history up on candidates? And some of you hate Brian Kemp so much that you're just, you know, you're like, well, we got we to do something. Sure do. There's a young lady running right now who I got in trouble for saying she's as country as a biscuit today because she is. And when you hear her talk, you're going to say the same thing and hopefully you're going to giggle because it's kind of funny. And I don't think I've offended her with that. And if I have, well, then she probably doesn't need to be running for office because you don't need some thick skin, honey. But I say stuff like that all the time. I'm as country as a biscuit when I need to be. And especially when I'm not paying attention. I'm from the South. What? Country is a biscuit with like sausage links. I hate running into those grocery, those little convenience stores in the South when you come out and you just smell like a big old sausage link. I digress. So country is a biscuit, cute as pie, but she is a butt kicker and she is legitimate. She loves this country. She loves her family. Um, she's solid on policy. I don't know all of her policies, but I believe that her heart is in the right place, as is her mind, and that has to count for something. But and for right now, until Burt Jones enters the race, if he ever does, if he ever decides to, she has my support. I'm not voting for Brian Kemp because that's a vote for China, and I'm not voting for Vernon Jones because I know too much about about his political um, life. And it has been a life of politics, and I'm tired of that. And I'm not going to vote for him like I did for Obama the first time. Because, well, wouldn't it just be great to have somebody who seems like they're on our side and, you know, and he was so for President Trump. And wouldn't it be great for Georgia to have their first black governor? I don't give a damn about Georgia having a first black governor or a first purple governor or a first Martian governor or, you know, a first three-nippled female governor. I don't care about any of that. I am not moved by that. I have the mind of Christ. And if you are not about liberty, if you're not about God first and liberty, which are basically the same, you're not going to stop selling out this country with my state. You're not going to stop capitulating to big business. And let me tell y'all something. Y'all are so proud of Brian Kemp because he stood up to the Major League Baseball. Uh, well, fun fact, into Delta. Fun fact, no one stood up to those guys whenever they came after our religious freedom. Lots of big, tough talk about all of that. Nobody called for a special session. Brian, Brian's still trying to tell you that it wasn't within his purview to do so, which is a bold face lie. Debbie Dooley, for all of her faults here in the state of Georgia, coming after Herschel Walker because of some self-proclaimed mental illness. Unbelievable. She at least put up something that was truthful and sent it out in her newsletter about uh, Governor Kemp's propensity to continue to lie about what it takes to call a special session. And how is he able to get away with that? Because most people have no idea what the real rules are. That's how he's able to get away, get away with it. Now, I'm not voting for the black guy because he's the black guy and because he stood with President Trump. Y'all need to know the entire story. And, and no matter how many times I tell it, you don't believe me because you've already set your sights on skin color. And I'm just not going down that road. You can do what you want to do. He's not going to win. It's not going to happen. The polls have already showed that Brian Kemp, no one stands a chance against Brian, not as Republicans go. And it'll be really exciting to see who they put up against Brian uh, as far as the Dems go. And as far as I'm concerned, they're one and the same. Whether you're voting for, a vote for Brian Kemp is a vote for the Democrats. 
We still have the same crappy voting machine, so I really don't care what he signed off on in the way of election laws. We already had election laws that were perfectly fine. People ran roughshod over them, so you're going to tell me all of a sudden they have the mind of Christ and they're not going to do that again? Oh, okay. (laughs) Come on. Oh, my goodness. Let's switch vaccines. So there's something, there's a little compound in cancer therapy called uh, ferrofluid. F-E-R-R-O fluid. One word. Ferrofluid. F-E-R-R-O fluid. Okay. It's used uh, in some treatments regarding um, cancer therapy. What is it? Ferrofluids are colloidal suspensions of magnetic particles in a liquid carrier which become magnetized in the presence of a magnetic field. They may be, these may be composed of iron, nickel, or cobalt and show magnetic properties. The particles are typically about 10 nanometers in diameter and may be suspended in either oil or water. Ferrofluids are also called magnetic nanoparticles, MNPs, or magnetic beads, MBs. Ferrofluids were first introduced to the world in the 1960s by NASA. Lewis Laboratories and Avco Space Systems independently. Nano-sized magnetic particles, e.g. iron oxide, can be synthesized in many ways. One such reaction is by co-precipitating magnetite uh, with ammonia from an iron solution. Many MNPs are used in targeted uh, targeted delivery systems as chemically iron oxides. Okay, and you can read this at newsmedical.net. So it's news-medical.net. Um, you can read this piece there, but many people believe that there's some kind of a chip in, uh, in the, in, in one of these, and I'm not going to say which one because a, I don't know for sure. Uh, but, but there are some vaccine variants where people have been shown on TikTok to have videos holding magnets up to their arm and their arm and their arm holds the magnet. Okay. Some of you felt like that was bogus, and Snopes is already on the job, but here's a fun fact about Snopes, and I say this with firsthand experience about what a a terrorist organization, a socio-terrorist, just a a bunch of Cheeto dust-eating, you know, just lying hogs over at Snopes. Yes, I said it, because my own reputation, and they're darn lucky I didn't sue them for that, for defamation, but lied about me lied about me uh, regarding something that I put up online a couple of years ago. So this is firsthand knowledge. If you guys are still looking to Snopes to verify anything other than the fact that, you know, Joe Biden is asleep at the wheel, then you guys need the mind of Christ. There, I'll leave it there. So, yeah, the Cheeto-licking Snopes organization is, uh, you know, high on Cheeto dust in wife beaters, like I can see it now. I can see the whole operation Snopes. What a joke. Um, they're trying to tell you that all of this is not real. <laughs> okay, well, fun fact. You need to figure out what's in your vaccinations that you're putting into your body. Now, I am not suggesting that there's a chip in anyone's vaccination. I am suggesting to you that some of these magnetic particles can be introduced into vaccinations. They're already used in cancer protocols. Now, 
for me personally, that is extremely concerning. There are a number of, and I will bring specialists on with me and experts in the coming days regarding this specifically, because I want you to have the information. It does not, it's just like some of you are like, well, it's just a little bit of mercury. Really? Well, you're talking to a woman whose daughter had a series of three MMRs, three, because the pediatrician lost the shot record and I could not get her into a summer camp overseas without having evidence of an MMR. So all of her MMRs were gone except for her first or rather the, the booster was missing. And so we got a third. Six months later, she busts out with ulcerative colitis and literally suffers with it, nearly kills her for the majority of her youth. So when we went to have her titers tested because we had used every form of healthcare you could possibly imagine, every modality short of literally, you know, bowing to the east with an egg on my head in like fetal position three times a day. Um, we did everything you can imagine from Eastern to Western to who knows um, modalities to try to heal my daughter. I mean, everything. We tried it all and uh, eventually made our way to the Lord and and got some wisdom and Holy Spirit answers there. Uh, and glory be to God, we have been believing and held out on faith for her complete and total healing. And God has been very faithful where my daughter is concerned. She still has her colon and by the grace of God. But my kid has been literally through hell and back. And I've been there with her a couple of times for over a decade. So when we went to a functional medicine doctor, she tested her titers and they came back three times what they should have been. Now, I want you to go look up what's in your MMRs. See, everyone wants to be told Everyone wants to be told the truth, but for some reason, there's a there's a real there's a real uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a real um, pushback. Pushback is is a horrible phrase. It's not it's not the word I'm looking for. But the, but there's just just this innate opposition. It's just this rejection of truth and of facts because I feel like it's because we're so saturated. That no matter what someone tells you, again, the neuro-linguistic programming has worked like a charm. You trust no one and nothing, but you have that God curiosity in you for the truth because that's how he's wired you. So I want to encourage you to do something. Every single morning you get up, I want you to please ask God to fulfill his word in your life and asking for wisdom. Because the word says that if you will ask God for wisdom, he will apply her to you liberally and without finding fault. Liberally meaning he will give it to you abundantly and without finding fault. So ask God for his wisdom. So whenever you go searching and seeking for information or things fly by you on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever you are, or you're at the water cooler or you're, you know, hanging out with the girls or you're in your, you know, mom's club, whatever, or you're hanging out with the dudes playing golf and whatever information comes your way, you know, I want you to be cognizant every single day, get up and ask God for his wisdom. His wisdom is not the same as earthly wisdom. It's not the same as carnal wisdom. 
It's heavenly wisdom. It is the mind of Christ. It ascends above the fray. So that whenever information comes your way, you have the ability to discern what is true and what is false. And if you're curious about it, then you can go seek out the information and ask God to search with you because he will. And what happens is the the bias, the prejudice, the fear, the terror, the dread, all that falls by the wayside. Because when you go on a scavenger hunt with God, you don't go with all of those things. You don't go with fear because there's no fear in God. You don't go with dread because there's no dread in God. You don't go with hatred other than for hatred of evil because there's no hatred in God. You don't go with terror because there's no terror in God. Right? You don't go with a bias other than a bias for the truth. You don't go with a prejudice other than a prejudice for the truth. Remember, prejudice is not a four-letter word. Discriminating is to have a discriminate, a discriminating palate. Remember, we've covered this for years on my show. To discriminate is not a four-letter word either. Can you discriminate between right and wrong? Because the world can't. But you have been trained to feel bad, to second guess, to be ashamed, to feel guilty, to fear, to dread. That is all the world, and it is all satanic. There is nothing godly about it. And the church has done a wonderful job of brainwashing you into thinking that it's godly. And I'm telling you right now, it is not. There's nothing weak. There's nothing sad. There's nothing fearful. There's nothing bitter about God. God is not sitting up there filled with dread. And if his spirit is in you, we are without excuse for being dreadful, filled with dread. This is our jurisdiction, you guys. We are called to occupy this territory. He created this earth and put us in it as the image of himself. He did not create Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians. He created us for his pleasure. And boy, if that's the case, I wonder what his days are like up there. I wonder what it's like around us. I mean, thank God he has his angels. His angels, I mean, I, I look around at even my own life, and I'm like, well, you know, as I as I count my debts for the day, and I do, I try to do that. I'm serious. I, I try to do that. I try to keep my account short. And some days I just don't care because I'm so fed up with how ridiculous some people are and how hateful they are. And it's just, it just, it just makes you weary some days. It just does. And so I have to remind myself of every single thing I'm telling you on this broadcast. I have to remind myself of the same thing. So some of you think I'm just the strongest person in the world and that's, you know, okay. If that makes you feel better, but the, listen, my, his strength is made perfect in my weakness and I have plenty of them and I have to remind myself to lean on him and not my own understanding. And there are some things I'm very passionate about. I will not back down on because they're my lane. They're my lane. And I have taken, I have taken the stripes on this side of eternity 
from people, from situations, from prejudice, from hatred, from fear, from envy and jealousy. And by God's glory, he has healed my stripes by his stripes. You know, something you may not know. I'll leave you with this. This is pretty powerful. I love it. By his stripes, we are healed. Do you know what the word stripes means? It's fellowship. And when you dig through that a little bit deeper, it's Christ's fellowship with God and our fellowship with him through and because of those stripes that we are healed. Now, for those of you who have already taken vaccinations, I want you to hear me and hear me clear. I am not sharing this information with you to be afraid, and I don't want you to be afraid, and I don't want you to be ashamed. I want you to pray. I want you to pray that if there's anything adverse going on in your body, allegedly or otherwise, that you would ask God to reverse by his power in the name of Jesus any adverse effects that anything you've ever taken is having or could have on your body. And anything that was formed in the way of a weapon to be used against you will not prosper according to the word of God. I declare that over you, and I pray that you'll stand in agreement with me. Okay? All right. I love you guys. I want you to have a good night. Be good to yourself. Be good to your neighbors, beginning with yourselves. I'll be back with my broadcast. Some of you are like, what happened to your videos? They're coming. They're coming. I'm upgrading technology. I've got all kinds of stuff going on. Very excited about it. And uh, God is good. And so are you because you're made in his image and his likeness. Okay. And Jesus said so. All right. I love you. Have a good night. Remember, if you're an American, act like one.